0: Welcome to another episode of Hot Mess Espresso. Let's get into this week. Tyler Wachowski, president and publisher of Tea with Coffee Media, emerged from a challenging college experience battling addiction and mental illness. Transcending personal struggles, he found solace in poetry, culminating in his debut collection, Coffee, Alcohol, and Heartbreak. Venturing into novellas and novels, he explored mental health themes in Not Alone and The Seeds of Love. His short stories featured in prestigious anthologies showcased his versatility. Tyler's online presence, including his website, reflects his passion for book reviews, coffee chat interviews, and profound insights on various topics. Co-founding Tea with Coffee Media in 2022, he champions indie media producers. Podcasting with Backed Porch Parley and Cook the Books... Tyler engages audiences with modern trends and writing secrets. He's currently traveling the U.S. in in an enchanted RV with his wife, Grace, and canine companions. Tyler's adventures unfold in the blog Adventures with Coffee. His journey, marked by resilience and multifaceted contributions, inspires others in literature, podcasting, and independent media. Well, hello, Tyler. That is quite the entrance.
1: Yes, hello. I am a uh, jack of all trades, master of none, but that's better than a master of one.
0: That is true. So, I kind of want to dive into a lot of a lot of your bio. So, what what inspired you to start writing books and becoming an author to begin with?
1: Um. So, I've always been really passionate about writing. Uh, my grandmother was an English teacher, and later my elementary school principal. So, I spent a lot of time. With her in the school system, Um, and, you know, back then we didn't have Game Boys or tablets or anything like that, so I had to resort to pen and paper to kind of ease that boredom and release that creativity, so I started writing at a very young age, very short stories, comic books that I would leave for my grandma on uh, her desk whenever I went to class, and Mm -hmm. It was just, um, it was something that I really enjoyed. But you know, as life goes on and you start writing more technical stuff for school and college, it kind of writing becomes cumbersome, and I kind of gave up on it. Um, moved in with my grandmother in 2019 while I was waiting for my house to be built, and she asked me one day. She says, um, "Have you written anything lately?" And I was like, uh, "No," and she said, "Well, why don't you write me a story?" So I said, okay, I can do that. You're letting me live here rent free. So I think the least I can right. do is write you a story. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, the next couple of days I was thinking about it. And one day coming home from work, it came to me. I was like, I'm gonna write a story called Not Alone about my mental health struggles. And at first it was never meant to be published. It was simply to go to my grandma and friends and family. And so many people after reading it were telling me, you've got to publish this. This was so powerful. So that was really the start of um, my journey. And from there, I I fell back in love with writing and just kept on um, working towards, you know, putting out my poetry collection and my romance series and my debut fantasy novel and um, stories that I'm working on upcoming. So
0: yeah, tell us about your projects that are coming up.
1: So uh, the one that is releasing in March, I've got one releasing in March 2024, it is called The Principal's Principles. It is a women's historical fiction um, based loosely on my grandmother's story. is very fictionalized, but the main character is based around my grandmother as an educator. She was the first female principal in a very rural county in the late 80s, and she faced a lot of adversity. Mm-hmm. um, overcame a lot of obstacles. So I wanted to, she always wanted to write a book about her experiences in the school system. And she, like me, you know, she was doing a lot of writing and papers for college and school and, um, doing her, you know, reports for work and she just never got around to it. And whenever I started my writing part, writing passion again, I was like, I'm gonna write your story. So I kind of came up with this idea to write Principal's principles, Um, My other story that I'm currently working on and hope to publish in late 2024 is the second book of the Sunflower Kisses series, Love and Growth. Uh, That book is about – or that series is about a mentally ill young man who falls in love with this girl, and they have a long-distance relationship. And um, it goes through the struggles that he faces. It's from the male point of view, so a lot of people like that um, because – It is refreshing. A lot of your romance novels are from the female point of view, so I wanted to show that men can have emotions too, and men can be the center of a romance novel. Um, So I'm really excited for that one. That one is uh, a lot of based on my true events in my life, and just kind of fictionalizing them. And because my life has been crazy, you and I talked. uh, We were supposed to record before this, and we were talking about the crazy things that happen in our lives. So I get it. I mean, I'm writing books about. The crazy stories that I have.
0: I mean, might as well. I, I'm starting to find that there are more and more people that like it, it. Only happens to them, kind of thing. Yeah. So when you were like, "Hey, the RV," and I'm like, "No, you're good. You're good. You're good." Like, I get it. There's been times I've had to reschedule because my computer decided that day it wasn't going to turn on, and I'm just like, "Okay." But uh, yeah. So your mental health journey. Tell us, you know, cliff notes, details, whatever you're yeah. comfortable with chit-chatting about. But just to give just to give everybody a little bit of insight.
1: So I was undiagnosed until I was 21. Um, I was diagnosed at 21 with bipolar disorder, anxiety, and generalized depression. Um, later or earlier in 2023, I was actually diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and PTSD. Fun so, one.
0: A real fun one. Yeah.
1: I've got a slew of them. Um, You know, whenever I first found out about both diagnoses, I was like, "Man, this is life changing." Like, what am I gonna do with this diagnosis now? And then I realized I've been living with this for twenty-one plus years, and I've become I've come this far. I did struggle with addiction and my mental illness in college. um, Faced a lot of drug abuse and alcohol abuse, and um, you know, because of the undiagnosed mental illness, that was the way I medicated, and not knowing what was wrong with me I just kind of thought that these thoughts of suicide and death and things like that were normal and then Mm -hmm. once I uh, actually tried to commit suicide one night I called my best friend Matt and told him I was like hey I'm I'm done I can't do this anymore and I hung up the phone and he called me four or five times and I just didn't answer because I didn't want to talk. I was like, this is it. I had taken a bunch of pills and was fading in and out. And I got a random phone call from a random number and I didn't know who it was. So just something inside of me said, you need to answer that. So I answered it and it was my best friend's dad, uh, Mr. Tommy. And one of the things that he told me that has stuck with me to this day, he told me, His dad was a mechanic and he used to work with his dad in the shop. And he said, whenever I was working on something, I couldn't get it. My dad would come up to me and say, is the wrench broken? And, you know, if the wrench wasn't broken, I had to keep on turning it. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to keep on turning your wrench until it's broken. And I was like, you know what? That's that's a really good way to put it because I'm going to keep on turning until I'm officially broken. And it was from that moment. I don't know how I survived. I shouldn't have survived. Um, But I did. And from that moment on, I decided to seek help. I went to therapy, went to the psychiatry, and got all the help that I needed. It took about a year for me to um, get the right medication combination, which is a very common thing. Yep. You know, people, <laughs> yeah, it, those medication Fellow borderline over here,
0: like, I get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's tough. But, um, you know, once you find that right combination, it's it's a really good feeling and it, it helps you out of that. Mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to take my experiences and because I had felt so alone, even though I wasn't alone in my life, um, I had a great support system, a great family a great mm-hmm. friends. And, you know, slowly I was losing them because of my mental illness and because I was pushing them away because I just thought, you know, they're going to leave anyway. So why would I? keep on trying why why wouldn't I just push them away and um, lost a lot of friends that way but now I've got a really close-knit circle that is a good support system but I don't want other people to feel alone and that's my biggest thing is being able to be there for people tell my story show them that you can still be successful despite your mental illness what your mental illness tells you despite Mm -hmm. what the society tells you you can still be successful here I am Um, almost 30 years old with a great, two great companies and multiple awards for my work as a marketing communications professional. I've overcome all of this and I just want other people to know that they can too.
0: You, you absolutely can. It's a lot of work, but you can. Now, a couple questions about like the diagnosis, especially with the borderline, just because obviously we're, we're a borderline podcast over here. Um, Did you find that when you were open with people with being like, oh, by the way, on top of everything, I'm also borderline. Did you find that there were a lot of people that said that makes a lot of sense or a lot of people that kind of just automatically villainized you? I don't like know, obviously, with you saying it on here, you're a little more open on it. But did you what was the feedback with that? Um, most
1: people like my psychiatrist, um, because it actually started, I went back to grief therapy this year, Mm -hmm. um, and started as grief therapy and then went into, uh, trauma therapy and it, it started like that because my grandfather had passed away back in April of this year and it was really tough on me. He was, thank you. He was, he was my best friend. Um, he taught me everything I knew about being a man and being strong and being a good person overall. So losing him was tough and you know with the holidays and everything him not being there is really hard um but most people like my psychiatrist whenever I came to her and said hey my therapist thinks that I have borderline personality disorder and she went back through her notes and she was like yeah I can see that and um she you know officially diagnosed me and It was one of those things that I was kind of ashamed of. I I wasn't sure, you know, even though I've got bipolar disorder and anxiety and depression, I was like, what is borderline personality disorder? Because it wasn't something I was too familiar with. But once I started researching it, I was like, no, I can overcome this. So whenever I started telling people, there was a lot of people in my life who didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And whenever I explained to them, they're like, Oh, wow. Yeah. You've definitely, you've definitely got those symptoms. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, didn't really have anybody that villainized me, but I I'm very open about my mental illness and don't care what people think because you would never go around judging somebody with cancer the way people judge people with mental illness and mental illness is just another illness. It's, it's no different than, being sick, having the flu, having COVID, having a cold, and people don't realize that. And that's what I'm trying to do is show people, you know, you can be open about your diagnosis and be strong and make that difference. Um, and it's all about education because people don't understand the mental illness. So being able to educate them and explain to them, you know, this is what it is, but here's how we can handle it. Here's how we can better control it. And here's how we can overcome it you know i'm not afraid of taking on those challenges and nobody should be afraid to take on those challenges and right. and just be open and honest
0: yeah absolutely you're literally preaching to everything i've been saying did you find that when you got the borderline diagnosis like it was um what's the word not like relieving but it was like okay i I I better understand my brain. And now like when things happen, I can be like, oh, that's this. So therefore, like, I can kind of figure out how to navigate that now because it was like kind of a missing piece with everything else. Did you did you find that it was easier or harder?
1: Yeah. So whenever I first got the diagnosis, it was kind of like, oh, gosh, this is terrible. I'm not I'm not normal, you know, and then I got to thinking I was like, nobody's normal. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I have fought this undiagnosed mental illness for almost 30 years, and now I'm getting to the point where um, I can treat it and I can make a difference. I'm like, just imagine what you're capable of now. And once I find kind of realized that I was like, you know, this is amazing. Like it's not amazing that I've got this borderline personality no. <laughs> disorder, but it is amazing that I've overcome this for so long and now I can be the even best even better version of myself cuz that's ultimately what I'm trying to do is become the best version of myself. Um we lost my brother-in-law back in 2020 and uh in a car accident and he used to live his life carefree. He loved everything he did. And that whenever we lost him, I was like, I'm gonna honor him and dedicate my life to him and live life to the fullest. Cause he was only a year older than me. So it really, it really hit me because I was like, he was so young, you know, just losing somebody at that age and being able to Um, you know, dedicate my life to him and say this is what I want to do to honor him because this is how he lived his life. So I need to become the best version of me and just straight up enjoy life.
0: Yeah, I thousand percent agree. Um, d what was the question? So obviously, writing has kind of been therapeutic yes do you do you find that it kind of it's a way to actually release or does it kind of just take the edge off a little bit depending on what you're writing
1: it's a good release um most of the time you know there are some times like whenever i was writing not alone the novella and whenever i rewrote the uh not alone as a full-length novel it was hard to kind of redo those relive some of those situations because the, that is based on a true, true stories. Right. And, you know, being able to overcome those memories and fight those memories, it's empowering because it's kind of like in therapy, whenever you're going through therapy, you're fighting those negative memories and those negative thoughts and you're finding coping mechanisms and, finding ways to overcome that difficulty that you have because of those memories or because of those past trauma experiences. So being able to release that and that was my way of letting go of it and admitting my faults and saying you know this is where I messed up but because of these people I was successful and was able to overcome those downfalls and those those setbacks. Um, But There are times whenever I'm writing like the the Sunflower Kisses series or my debut fantasy, Potent. um, There were times where I was like, this is so relieving and I got so caught up in the world that I was creating that I forgot about my own troubles and my own problems. So it was a great release. So it's kind of twofold. There are some experiences writing that are very hard. Um, but also very rewarding because you are able to overcome that past trauma. And then there are some times where it's so rewarding and I'm just so um, captivated by the world that I've created that I've escaped my own problems temporarily and been able to um, get into a better place just through my writing.
0: Well, that makes complete sense. So would you say that probably Not Alone was your most challenging book?
1: Yeah, yeah. The um the original first edition novella was probably one of my most challenging works because it was also the first one that I wrote, um, mm-hmm. as a full length, you know, full length book that I was gonna publish. Um well, never intended to publish, but once I did I had to go back through and do <laughs> <Right>. multiple <laughs> rounds of edits, you know. So it it was tough to go through those scenes. Um, but, you know, like I said, it was so rewarding at the end of the day to hear all these people coming to me and saying you know, this made a difference in my life. I still have people today that will reach out to me that have read the book or read the second edition that say, you know, you don't know how much this has changed my life. This has really impacted me and made me realize that I'm not alone. And that made it worth every hard moment that I was writing through and experiencing. I was like, you know, I'm able to help all these people, and that's just such an amazing feeling. No, it
0: really is. I I get that feeling with podcast when i have people mentioning that they send an episode to family and i've said that on mm-hmm. several episodes but it just it it continues to humble me that i'm making a difference it's yeah it's insane but what was your favorite book to write
1: oh i really liked um the sunflower kisses series mm-hmm. so far but i think my favorite book has been the Principles principles because it was In honor of my grandmother, and, you know, I said my grandfather was my best friend. My grandmother was also my best friend, you know. Right. They they both helped raise me as a kid. Um, They were both there for me in different ways, taught me different things in life, Um, not taking anything away from my mom because she was a single mom working jobs and trying to support me and my brother. So, you know, having my grandparents there just was an extra layer of support that helped me. Some of my best memories come from them. Right. So, being able to honor her with this book and tell a story that's based on a strong female character based on her is such a good feeling and it was so fun to write because there are so many nuances, and I'm so excited for my grandmother to read it. um I'm actually uh getting her an advanced copy for Christmas, so she will be getting a the very first copy. Aww. I included you know little tidbits about her in the book my dedication and then uh I actually had a friend reach out to me a couple of weeks ago that he found an article about my grandmother being retiring um in 2004 Mm -hmm. so we took that article and put it in the book so that people could see more about her life and her experience her real life experiences in the school system so it's just such a fun book and I'm so excited for her to read it
0: I'm excited too that's that's adorable, but you've uh, you kind of been all over the place, writing and podcasting and all of that. How did you? How did you jump from point A to point B? How did you go from writing to having a podcast and a blog?
1: So it really started with um, I was writing for this blog called The Dark and Veil Universe. It was a collection of blogs, um, and eventually I took ownership of the blogs. Uh, one of them was called Legends of the Veil. The other one was Mists of the Darkness where we took characters from history, mythology, um, things like that, and put them in the, the current world, the modern world, and let them explore it. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my introduction into blogging, um, but that was fictional blogging. And whenever that shut down, I was like, I need an outlet. I need a way to keep my writing fresh because I was kind of burnout out on writing books um, at that point, so I but I wanted to write and I wanted to tell my story and help people, so I decided to start blogging mental health, and from there it really expanded into you know people were loving my content. I was getting a lot of views and a lot of people saying you know this really was an awesome blog, so I expanded my writing to things like marketing and um, traveling and publishing and mental health and writing and just really expanded my horizons to all the things that I'm passionate about care about and once I got to that point I just fell in love with blog writing you know I'm a big marketer content marketer um that's what I do for my other company the Witkowski company it's a PR and marketing firm and I learned the you know ins and outs of blogging and like good quality blogging and was able to turn my blog into more of a Um, advanced thing. And that's my wife and I bought our RV um, last year in 2022. And we decided that we were going to start a little travel blog. We never really expected to sell the house and move into the RV until January of 2023. Um, But, you know, we were just going to do a little travel blog for our travels. And we started writing about places around North Carolina where we live. And, just people really enjoyed it because we were finding these small places and these breweries and these cafes and all kinds of stuff. And we were writing about them and showing people and, you know, linking back to all of these businesses. So it's just been a journey. Um, as far as podcasting, I never really expected to get into podcasting, but a buddy of mine, Matt, the same guy I was talking about earlier, that, um, whose dad called me, um, he and I decided to start Back Porch Parlay as a way during COVID because there was so much hate and division during the COVID era that we wanted to show that you could have different opinions and still be friends and still have a civil conversation. You know, me and Matt have very different political views, societal views, and we would get on there and just debate and discuss things. And we had guests on there and It was a really fun experience. And then whenever we started Tea with Coffee Media, we were like, what can we do to take it to the next level? And my vice president of marketing, Kelsey Ann Lovelady, who's also one of my best friends, um, she was like, why don't we start a podcast and talk about writing and publishing and things like that? I was like, okay, you know, I've done podcasts before, so let's get it.
0: Right. Yeah, that's, it sounds like you have a lot going on.
1: (laughs) Jack of all trades, master of none.
0: Yeah, but how do you how do you handle not burning out and how does how does your mental health hold up with all of this?
1: Yeah, so burnout is a huge thing. Um I actually was at a job for about six years um and was let go because of situation out of my control. Um mm-hmm. but I, I was burned out from that position and burnout took me about a year to recover from. Um, After I lost that job, it was hard. It was very difficult. And once I started opening up my blog some more and travel blogging and things like that, podcasting, it gave me an outlet for my creativity. And it gave me a way to stay busy and stay productive in a time that I didn't have anything going on. So it's always been it doesn't feel like a job to me. It feels like a hobby. You know, podcasting is fun. Blogging is fun. Writing is fun. And to me, it's relaxing. So it's not really about, you know, running the company is probably the most stressful part of everything. And, you know, maintaining my mental health while I do that, it's tough because you want everything to go right. You want so many, to help so many people and to make this a success for so many other people that you often forget to take care of yourself because you're so busy taking care of all these other people, your staff, your authors, your employees. And I've had to find ways to, you know, I dedicate 15 minutes a day to just writing, you know, 15 minutes a day to writing a book, writing a blog, whatever it may be. Um, Podcasting, we do that every other week. And it's just, it's good to have those outlets where I can just shut everything out and do what I love doing. Um, But the burnout, it's very hard to overcome. You have to find your outlets. You have to find your freedom and remember to make time for yourself because that's ultimately the goal to avoiding burnout is enjoying life and making sure you're not overworking yourself and you are taking those self-care steps.
0: No, absolutely. That makes complete sense. I had to mute my mic for behind the scenes. My Somebody must have decided to dare be on our road because my dog just lost her ever loving mind <laughs> so you're I talking and I'm just like mute <laughs> like you don't hear anything <laughs> I hear her losing her mind upstairs and I'm just like oh god <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, it's fine it's always it. chaotic here <laughs> no I know you have two dogs so you
1: well we're actually taking in a third dog oh, boy! Um, my brother-in-law who I mentioned earlier his dog um, was with my sister-in-law and they are no longer know it uh no longer able to mm-hmm. take care of him and keep him he's getting older he's about 10 years old he's mm-hmm. an american bully pit and Ooh, he's God, such God. a sweet dog yes but um he is very protective and likes to bark a lot at people coming by so mm-hmm. living in a rv where it's so close knit we're kind of like uh, we'll see how this works out we'll see how he does so we're excited to get him though because he mm-hmm. is such a such a good dog pits have such a bad name but um no, our pit- little bell, are the
0: sweetest freaking dogs man
1: they are you know our bell is a pit german shepherd mix Ooh. and she is absolutely the sweetest dog she's afraid of kids not like violent towards kids but she no, runs but away from kids
0: dogs can um, have anxiety around children it's absolutely yeah. possible
1: and I don't blame them. I have anxiety around children too.
0: Girl, same. You know? <laughs>
1: like,
0: like it, the, 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 you know, if they're screaming and running around, I'm just like, I can't imagine a dog that doesn't have like, you know, yeah,
1: it doesn't really understand and no, you know, yeah, literally. they're just making loud noises. And, yeah, yeah,
0: yep. But yeah, no. So I was I was gonna ask too. How do, how does having two dogs, soon to be three, in an RV work when you're trying to podcast or blog or anything? Because I live in a house where she can be losing her mind upstairs and I can still hear her, let alone, uh, like hypothetically 200 square foot area. Like, how does that work?
1: Um, our, our two dogs are really good. They don't really bark. Um, it's more of like, if somebody knocks on our door or something Mm. like that, you know, but, and my wife, you know, she's sitting across from me right now. She's working her day job you know, so we're very close and she, she respects my podcasting time and taking time to blog and write and do things like that. Um, and she actually helps out a ton with the company. She does line edits on our books. She handles book signings, um, takes care of deadlines and things like that. So she does a lot for the company as well, but the dogs are really well behaved. You know, they don't really bark. They, you know, and if they do start to get a little mouthy all I have to do is snap my fingers and they look at me and they're like okay dad and you know they they quiet down yes they are we got so lucky with these two dogs and then we're taking in this third dog and like I said he's gonna be a little more of a challenge we may have to um my wife sometimes if she has like phone calls or something to make she'll go sit in our bedroom um and close the door which surprisingly is pretty soundproof because she can't hear me and I can't hear her um Yes, we've also invested in um, very good headsets so that we don't get a lot of background noise and you know things like that. So,
0: yeah, no, this this mic been, is great because it picks up everything, but it picks up everything.
1: It picks up everything.
0: Yeah, picks up everything. I but yeah, no, that that makes total sense. I I figured like the dogs maybe go for a walk, but also that we just we have an Aussie, so you know they're they're they're, yes. they're naturally protective breeds. So but she thinks dogs. they are. She's such a sweetheart, but she thinks she owns the whole road and won't listen to reason when we're like, they're not even in your yard. And she's like, but yeah. they're on my road. I'm like, that's not how that works. She is the grouchy old man saying, get off my lawn 24 yes. <laughs> 7. I always like nothing. I, I'm going to get one of those welcome mats one of these days. It says, no need to knock. We already know you're here because that is literally my life yeah literally like that it just is but yeah know that i'm just so grateful you came on this is and to chit chat with another fellow borderline is always always a pleasure because there's a lot of us but not a lot of us that are willing to talk about it
1: yeah yeah because it's
0: it's a hard subject to talk about
1: Exactly. People, and you know, it's like, I I was very ashamed whenever I first had the diagnosis, you know, even mm-hmm. though I've, like I said, even though I've got these diagnoses, um, borderline has such a stigma around it. And whenever I started looking up, you know, all this stuff about borderline and started seeing how people treated people with borderline and reading articles on the mighty about how, you know, their life is affected. I'm like, no wonder people don't want to come out and say it because there's such a yep. stigma around it. And instead of stigmatizing it why aren't we doing our best to support those people and help those people instead of making them feel worse um making them driving them to the point where they feel like not being here is a better option it just doesn't make sense to me um and that's that's what i'm like i said that's what i'm trying to do is make it to where it's not stigmatized trying to make it normal um just i'm a huge tattoo person i've got 30 tattoos and you know my my grandmother, she's very old school, and she'll ask me. She's like, "What are you going to do when your when your company becomes a Fortune five hundred company? How are you going to hide all your tattoos?" I'm like, "I'm not. I'm just going to look cooler, and Grandma." <laughs> right. And uh, you know, my wife's grandma, she asked me one day. She uh, she was like, "What are you going to do when you get old and wrinkly like me?" I was like, "Appreciate the old wrinkly art that's sitting on my arm, like people appreciate these old paintings that are falling apart, mm-hmm. and ripped, and so you know, I, I can appreciate the art and. It's not like I'm getting rid of it anytime yeah. soon.
0: Well, my mom asks every single time I get a tattoo, she's like, are you done getting them?" I'm like, I really wish you would stop asking questions that you're not going to like the answer to. Yeah. Because it's always, exactly. always going to be no.
1: <laughs> my first one was for my mom so that she couldn't really be upset about Ooh. it. I got the tattoo and I'm like, look, I got it for you. It's got your initials on it. And she was like, oh, that's sweet. But I wish you wouldn't have got it. And I was like, uh, too bad, I got it. Now I'm addicted. And a couple of months later went and got my second one and I think the past year two years I've probably got about fifteen tattoos. Um it's just I've been yes. So my body is very expensive right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, I my first tattoo was actually a tattoo for my godfather who had passed away the year no a month after and it happened to be a month before my my own grandfather passed away within two mm. months my godfather and my grandfather so and on the five-year anniversary i actually got um my forearm with his uh like an elk skull because he always talked about elk hunting in colorado mm. and then his signature so you know that one nobody could really complain about but the rest of them people are you know the the anti-tattoo members yeah. of my family are like eh. I'm like, you know what, I'm not actually cool, so, like, this makes me look like I'm cool. Right, that's,
1: exactly.
0: The emo wasn't a phase, and neither were the tattoos, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It was never a phase, Mom.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it was real life. This is how I am. You have to love me for who I am.
0: And now that, like, you know, I'm mentally ill and all that, I'm like, oh, no wonder emo and metal music, like, resonates with me, because because no wonder
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean that most most of your emo metal musician musicians are depressed or some kind of mental illness and that's why they do what they do you know like chester bennington lincoln park Uh, is my absolute favorite band yes and chester you know was such a huge advocate for depression anxiety mental health awareness and you know like you said rest in peace because he took his own life because you know and it goes to show that even people who we think have everything don't feel like they have everything you know money and fame it doesn't buy anything it doesn't buy happiness you know you can get a boat you can get a car whatever but that's a temporary thing you can't take that with you to the grave you can't you know the biggest thing for me is i want to live my life and have fun while i do it because at the end of the day once i'm gone you know that's it all this stuff that i have doesn't mean anything you can't bury your car with you you can't bury your money with i mean you can but i wouldn't recommend it yeah you know unless you're just that obsessed with money and then i guess go for it no at the end of
0: the day when people are talking about you they're not talking about the millions you made they talked about right who you were as a person the
1: impact you made on other people's lives
0: not to get like creepy but every dateline episode they lit up a room like they're not talking about you know they were middle class at best they were like they lit up a room they this they that so yeah no totally totally agree with you but yeah no my favorite um song to blast when i'm just in a mood is actually um headache from motionless and white oh mm. it's so good it's so good yes
1: motionless and white was one of my favorites in high school yeah,
0: i actually just saw them in july and oh they're so good they're so
1: good that is the one thing I regret, I had an opportunity to go see Lincoln Park when they were in Raleigh, North Carolina. <sighs> and you didn't and, go? Um, I didn't go. And now I'll never get to see them.
0: Honestly, Lincoln Park and Chester is the reason why I don't skip shows. Yeah. I'm like, there may not be a next tour. The band right. could break up. Somebody could die. Like, yeah. you know, I, there may Anything not be a next happen. tour. Like, I've seen Fit for a King literally five times because I'm over here like there may not be a next tour. You know? Or there might be a lineup change. And I like the lineup as is. Like, I I want to have that in my memory. You know? That kind of thing. So, yeah. Nope. Totally getcha. Totally getcha. Also, side note. Is this? Are you in this, like, original RV that you and your wife bought?
1: Yes. Yeah, it's a uh, 2008 Coachman um, Concord. We actually got it from my grandfather on my dad's side. Not my grandfather had just passed away. Right. Um, he wanted to get rid of it and get a travel trailer. We have a motor home. Um, so we bought it from him at a really good price. And, you know, that actually was a funny story because my wife and I, you know, we travel once a year for our anniversary or our dating anniversary or our wedding anniversary. Aww. And we go to a different state. We've been to a different state for the last eight years. And we decided, you know, we spend so much money on Airbnbs and hotels and things like that. Why not get our own mobile house where we can stay somewhere for a week for the price that we could stay for two days at a hotel? Mm -hmm. Um, So we, you know, we decided to do that. And then we had some very bad issues, uh, personal issues come up in January and we decided, well, I decided, I was like, you know what? I had been thinking about it since we bought the RV, but I just thought it was a dream that would never come true about moving into it full time. And I finally came to my wife and I said, hey, what do you think about moving into the RV full time? And she was like, you're crazy. Um, I think you're going through a manic stage and you think everything is right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Hear me out. I've been thinking about this for a while. So I explained it to her and she was like, okay, let me think about it. So over the next week I was telling her, you know, I was like, here's what we could do. Here's how cool it would be. We could work in a different place every week. We could be in a different state every two weeks. And she was like, eventually she came around to the idea. She's like, okay, let's, you know, let's call a realtor and put our house on, you know, see what we could get for our house and see if it makes sense. And um, our house was very unique and there was nothing like it on the market so we had no comparison for price so my realtor was just like we're gonna throw a dart at the board and put a price up there and see what happens i was like okay you know that's fine so by the time march came around uh late march we had put the house on the market and within a week we had an offer exactly what we were asking for it and um, within a month we were out of our house and in the RV full time. So from January to April was our talk about it, sell the house, move into the RV. So what is that? Four months? Yeah. Just about. Yeah. So it it was not a very long thought out process, but it was kind of an, an impulsive thing. And, but we, we're loving it now. And, you know, I really did it for my mental health too, because mm-hmm traveling is so good for my mental health you know just being able to wake up in a new place yep. and it not be that same old same old and the drama that comes with the small town life and being where you grew up and yeah so being able to get away from that has really been wonderful for my mental health too
0: yeah no we it's, it's in Philly on the small town i grew up in a small town and so did my husband and when we met i moved to his small town because i thought maybe it was just my small town that mm-hmm. you know I, I was just like you know I just didn't let, I, I, I thought I'd give his hometown a new chance. No, no, it's just small towns. Nope. I moved, yeah. I moved back to where we are now. Well, I'm he, he came with me, but yeah, we moved back to kind of the area that I was at before I moved in with him and like so much better, so much better. Just moving out of your hometown is literally the best thing you could ever do. Yes. Yes. There are some people that are good with being in their, being in their hometowns and that's wonderful. And good for you like i'm I'm very happy that you are perfectly fine there i was gonna lose my mind
1: yes I, exactly <laughs> i was on the verge of losing my mind and i was like i gotta get out of here right um i gotta get away from this peace out <laughs> yes exactly
0: literally well just to wrap this up we have a couple rapid fire questions hit me all right Uh, not not sure how well this one's gonna set, but travel trailer or fifth wheel?
1: Ooh, uh, say I'd say a fifth wheel. Um, I hear they're a lot easier to tow. I've never had an experience with either one because, like I said, I'm in a motorhome. Mm -hmm. So I think a fifth wheel. Um, my in-laws actually they did the full-time RV lifestyle for about three years before we did it Mm -hmm. and um they had a fifth wheel and a travel trailer and they said the fifth wheel was so much better and they're a lot bigger um so they have a lot more room and a lot more amenities they had like a full-size bathroom and we've got like a quarter of a bathroom so it's not really yeah (laughs) that's that's been the biggest challenge is the
0: bathroom oh I'm sure I'm sure that anytime I'm in my dad's RV I'm like oh my god I can't Can't move and it's a decent sized bathroom but i'm just like i can literally like use the bathroom and brush my teeth and not have to move like this is a little this is a little tiny you know but i'm five foot tall so it works i like somebody my husband's size like i'm sure he struggles but you know whatever so camping in the beach on the beach or camping in the mountains
1: mountains love the mountains i'm from the beach and i i have been a mountain boy since I can remember.
0: Yeah, I'm. I love the mountains. Oh my god! The only time I like the beach is like Southern California. I don't know what it is about Southern California, but anywhere else, I'm just like meh about the beach. Yeah. Uh, East Coast or West Coast?
1: Um, I would say, oh gosh, I would say West Coast. Um, simply because I've been on the East Coast my entire life, so it's still very much that small-minded lifestyle here in the east east coast south Mm -hmm. and um you know so i I think i want to experience the midwest i hear it's very more open and um accepting of things and people
0: yeah yeah for sure i mean i look i love southern california i don't know if i'd live there just because you know just because but yeah i i love staying there when like i go on vacation and stuff like that i'm just i'm at home there kind of okay this might hurt your author heart a little bit but physical books or ebooks
1: for me personally or what i prefer to sell no um, for you personally personally i love paperbacks i just love being able to hold it flip through the pages i it's a cardinal sin but I fold my pages down um the corners I know I know oh, no. but it's just been a habit since I was in elementary school and so my okay. books aren't meant for resale they're meant for and I I like to make notes in my books and right highlight quotes and so my books aren't going anywhere they're staying with me so what have you I'm heard of bookmarks
0: about well you know I
1: have but then you <laughs> lose them and they get torn and it was just a pain.
0: Oh, I get those magnetic ones, so they just whoop right on the
1: Oh, I didn't even think about those. Yeah,
0: I got them because I have cats that like to just grab this. Speaking of cats, there's one right here. Um But yeah, no, they're magnetic, so they just clip right on your page. Nice. And then they don't I have to check oh, stick cat. out. Cat. Cat trying to go after my pen. If, I'm gonna need you to summon scooch. the cats. So uh big dogs or the smaller dogs?
1: Love big dogs. Um, mm-hmm. Small dogs are buttholes? <laughs> <laughs> you know? My mom's got two chihuahuas, and oh. one, of them, one of them just nips at my feet every time I come in. I'm like, dude, you got to stop. Like, It doesn't hurt, but it's annoying. And
0: I, Yeah. I am convinced that chihuahuas dogs, are awful because they've just probably been like super overbred or something, and now they've just been bred yeah. into little rage machines.
1: Yes, yes. Um, big dogs have always been easier to train for me personally Mm -hmm. Um, but I do after my two um, well three pass will probably get a pug um, and because I've always wanted a pug named pops I don't know why but that's just always been a dream for me so that's what I'm getting that's so
0: damn cute that's so damn cute I like I like my medium-sized dogs just because they're Mm -hmm. easier to travel with yes because my dad's got a lab and i have the aussie and the lab is obviously bigger than the aussie but when it comes to traveling around and stuff it is so much easier with a medium-sized dog i'm this like is- i don't know as much as i love my big my big big dogs i'm like practically give me a right in the middle
1: yeah my uh my sister has a great dane um <sighs> actually two great Danes. no she has a horse and I'm- Yes, she has a mini horse. <laughs> um, I feel she like I could ride pony. that thing. Yes, it it is. Yeah, I uh, I'm like I could not do that because that dog is taller than me when it's not even when it's standing on its hind oh, legs. Oh no, I know. Like just standing on all fours, it's They're taller
0: gigantic. than me. <laughs> They're sweethearts, though.
1: Oh yeah, beautiful dogs and yeah. very sweet. But I just couldn't travel in an RV with one of them, much less two.
0: No, no, I like you guys definitely are testing the limits with two dogs in an rv because we've had to when we camp with my dad with you know the lab and then ascara Mm -hmm. but and thankfully they do pretty good but you know then you kind of meet in the middle when like dog and human are trying to go one way and other dog and human are trying to go the other way and it's this big standoff like you're in some d-list western and you're just like So can you clap on the dining room table real quick so I can get by? Thanks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And we've got um, two Ottomans that fold out into beds. And sometimes we, yeah, for like a guest bed. So sometimes we'll put them together and sleep in the living room because we don't have a TV in our bedroom. Mm. We decided we wanted our bedroom to be like our spot, no distractions, nothing like that. So if we ever get in a mood where we just want to watch TV and chill out, we'll pull out the beds and it takes up the entire living room um it's yeah. actually bigger than our bed so it takes up the entire living room so whenever my wife and i are trying to like navigate one of us has to like walk on the bed and then the other one has to like climb on the
0: table and it's just it's a mess does anybody have like a terrible sense of humor and just try to like roll across it like you're in a spy movie
1: Um, uh, my wife yes
0: i she, love it i is... love it <laughs>
1: she is very much that animated personality um she likes to joke around and play around and yeah that's definitely her she would would roll on the bed and yeah
0: (laughs) i love it well thank you so much for being so open and coming on and giving us your time and just talking about everything where can we find you
1: so i am on all social media, um, at Tyler Witkowski, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I don't really use TikTok that much, but, um, YouTube and threads. So I'm on all those at Tyler Witkowski. You can also find all of my work, um, including my businesses and shops and affiliate programs. All of that is on my link tree, which is linktr.ee slash Tyler Witkowski, um, You can also visit my website, tylerwitkowski.com. Pretty much, if you Google Tyler Witkowski, you'll find me. I am the only one in the entire world. So that's pretty cool.
0: Must be nice. Yeah. There's apparently two Heather (laughs) Harringtons on uh, the podcast, and one is like a more holistic doctor, and it's spelled the same, too. And I'm just, I've gotten a lot of people confused. They're like, you're not who I expected to pop up. And I'm like, I really should like update my my cover art to have my face on it i really should <laughs> but yeah where can we find your books is that all on your website um, or amazon yep. or what
1: you can buy them on my website um, you can buy them from tea with coffee media's website they're also on my Linktree, amazon barnes and noble all your major retailers um but if you are wanting to buy my book i prefer if you buy it from my website or the tea with coffee media website so that way we don't have to pay Amazon. It's crazy. Amazon and, uh, all these other big retailers take a 55% discount in order to sell your book on their website.
0: I did not Um, know that.
1: Yes. So it's, it's hard for indie authors to, um, you know, make a living. And a lot of our authors we've had to, you know, they're like, "Oh, that book price is kind of high. And I'm like, it's gotta be because we have to sell it at a 55% discount to these retailers. So we only make, you know, like, 50 cent whenever we sell it through amazon whereas if i sell it on our website or tea with coffee media's website we make between three and six dollars depending on the book so it it really is it's a huge difference to buy from the author or from the indie publisher um there are also great websites out there like lazy creativity um and the indie bookshop uh indie book indie org actually donates a portion of every sale to small independent bookstores so they're another one that I recommend um, even though they do take a little bit of a discount it's not quite as high as a 55% discount but still it's a good cause to support these indie bookstores yeah. that are supporting indie authors
0: I didn't I didn't even think of that I just I I buy a ton of books and you know sometimes I'll get them off Amazon but a lot of the times I go off Barnes and Noble yeah I'm gonna start going through the websites because I didn't yeah, know that
1: it's It takes a little bit longer sometimes, you know, to get your book because we don't have the contracts with UPS and USPS that people like, you know, and you do have to pay for shipping, but I actually lower my prices on my website um, because I can sell them for a cheaper price. So that way people are, they're paying about the same price after they pay for shipping that Mm -hmm. they would from Amazon. It's a couple cent more, but it's worth it to me to support local, support indie um the indie community.
0: No, I'm big on trying to do what I can to support small businesses and stuff like that cuz obviously I am technically a small business. So That's right. You know, it it's it's convenient to go with corporate, but I'm trying really hard to be more mindful of what who I'm purchasing from. So that yes. is very good to know and I'm very glad that you brought that up because I am going to be pushing people to go directly to authors websites now.
1: <laughs> yes, most definitely. we we appreciate that
0: no I I appreciate you bringing that up because I wouldn't know I don't think anybody does because authors don't talk about it which I get why but they don't talk about it
1: it it, it's one of those things it's kind of like you don't talk about it because you don't want to you know piss off the people that are selling your book but Mm -hmm. at the same time I'm like people need to know because I'd rather you know piss off Amazon and people only be able to buy my book from my website and make more money, you know, to yep. support myself and support my blog. You know, I'm not in this for the money, but
0: it I need helps. to make a living.
1: I've got, I've got bills to pay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so
0: you can't pay your bills with like good vibes and, you know, right. well wishes. Now I,
1: I appreciate all of that and you know, it's, it's good karma and good voodoo and you know, helps out, but it doesn't help with the bills.
0: Nope. So, it does not. If
1: you can, If you can support an indie author or the indie community, definitely support them. If not, there are free ways to support them leaving reviews, sharing their stuff on social media, inviting your friends to like their pages. All of that helps um, tremendously, and it's free.
0: Yeah. That's, that does, I feel like that does more than even just buying because it just, it gets the word out there. Yes. So, yeah. No, I've, yeah. Thank you for coming on. This has been. Yeah. This has been an amazing hour. I've had yes, so much. I've I- loved it. I-, I have so much fun doing these episodes. Like, I-, I don't have as much fun with the admin stuff. And, like, you know, the, the admin is always Meh. But But the- yeah. this, this is why I do it. Because these fun conversations that we get to have, I learn a thing or two. You know, I can get, you know, word out and stuff like that and just raise more awareness. And I- this is why I-, I love it. I love it. So I'm yeah. so glad you came on.
1: Thank you for having me, and I'm so glad to be here, and I hope somebody in your audience takes something positive away from this episode, Absolutely. and I just want to say if there's anybody out there who's struggling, who feels alone, please reach out to me on my social media platforms, um, shoot me a DM, you can find my email on my, um, my link tree or my website, shoot me an email, whatever you need to do, I'm here to talk, um, just to talk to you, my DMs are always open to
0: anybody who's struggling absolutely.
1: Hey everyone, Hunter from the Everything is Connected podcast here.
0: Heather from Hot Mass Espresso. And Amber from Connection Over Perfection.
1: You know, in this world of endless chatter,
0: finding genuine conversations can be a challenge. That being said, we introduce Podcast Connection Network, a space where we lay it all out unfiltered. Dive in with us. It's about authentic connections and conversations that truly matter. To learn more about the network and each of our podcasts, click the link in the description below. The Podcast Connection Network, never going to give you up, never going to let you down.